you may end up going to uh, seeing your doctor, your EKG is normal and everything seems fine. And then you all of a sudden you die of a heart attack and we call that a silent heart attack, which eventually causes death. And that's usually as a result of cardiac autonomic neuropathy, which is as a result of diabetes. Welcome to the Health Quest Podcast, your guide to God's will for good health. Hello, my name is Dr. Sal, and I've been a practicing physician and surgeon for well over 30 years. And my goal for each episode is that you'll be able to have your mind transformed to God's design for your good health and the way you eat and the way you live. And if you're new here, we release a new episode every week. And if you enjoy the content, would you please leave us a good review? It really helps our ratings and allows us to reach more people and in turn, we can help more people as well. And we really appreciate your support. Thank you so much. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about diabetic neuropathy. So let's dive right on into today's health course. Diabetic neuropathy. Well, in the last few episodes, we talked about insulin resistance. And it begins with excess sugars, such as corn syrup. Now, remember, a lot of uh, sugar, regular cane sugar, has been substituted with corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, uh, in the early 90s. And excessive amounts of bad fats. Now, the liver eventually converts this extra sugar into fat as well. So, you got to remember one thing, the way God designed us. God gave us fat cells to protect us from lipotoxicity. And it, it's, that's where all the extra fat gets stored. Now, you'll remember uh, from the previous podcast that if the fat cells eventually reach a maximum storage capacity, two things can happen to them. Number one, that extra fat will start to spill back into the bloodstream, and that's called lipid spillage. The other thing is, is that fat cells can expand to the point where it outgrows the blood supply. Now, I don't know why we would even allow ourselves to get that big, and, but when it does that and it outgrows the blood supply, there's not enough oxygen to sustain that uh, fat cell, and so it breaks down and it goes through what we call necrosis, okay? It just, it, it just dies. All of a sudden, the cell membranes rupture, it releases all that fat, and that fat eventually goes back into the bloodstream. So um, when this excess fat can't get stored in the uh, fat cells, it goes to areas where the fat should not go, and that's into the liver, uh, the muscle, the pancreas, and that's how we end up with lipotoxicity. And if you can recall from the previous podcast, Lipotoxicity is where the mechanisms, all those chemical reactions, let's say in the muscle cell, occur. And in this particular case, insulin will bind to the uh, receptor and it, and it triggers a cascade of these chemical events and those get disrupted. And the purpose of, of the insulin is to get the gates to open up in the cell to allow that uh, sugar to get into that cell, let's say the muscle cell, where it could use it for energy 
or the extra sugar can get stored as glycogen for later usage. At that point, when these gates can't open, it's unable to absorb that sugar from the bloodstream and we end up with a high fasting blood sugar level. When that happens, the body tries to compensate and it starts producing more insulin. So insulin goes up, but again, it's not working because of lipotoxicity. The cells can't work to function to pull that sugar out of the bloodstream and into the muscle or into the liver. And we end up with the so-called insulin resistance. So insulin takes the fat and the uh, sugar and it causes it to get stored in uh, the cells, particularly in the fat cells, in the muscle cells, as I said before, the sugar then gets used uh, as a source of energy. But when the liver, so it, when the liver becomes insulin resistant, then the liver starts making its own sugar and it starts making its own fat. And the reason being because it says, hey, we've got to we have to have some fat and sugar for the body to sustain itself. So at this point, the liver starts to think that we're low on sugar and low on fat. It starts making it, even though the bloodstream has high levels of fat and sugar, but the insulin is not telling that to the liver because it's now resistant. So now the liver starts thinking that we're starving. And when we're starving, the liver does what it can to maintain, because you gotta keep your blood sugar levels at a certain level, and you have to have so much fat circulating in the body. So when uh, diabetes starts to set, uh, set in, this progresses even further. And at that point, as we had fat cells going into the muscle and into the liver, and it causes the liver to develop cirrhosis, and that's what we call non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Um, and this happens more so with uh, fructose or high fructose corn syrup this extra fat then starts to deposit in the beta cells of the pancreas and those become lipotoxic and they don't function anymore and what ends up happening is is the beta cells become dysfunctional and it reduces the production of insulin so in the beginning we have a uh, an increase in insulin production to compensate for the extra sugar once the cells become resistant more insulin is produced, but once that fat starts getting deposited in those beta cells, the beta cells can't produce and it can't secrete the insulin and then the insulin starts to drop. And this is what we see when we have advanced type two diabetes. So one of the major complications of diabetes is neuropathy. Now, what is neuropathy? Well, neuropathy causes pain. This is the, the pain symptoms that, are, uh, that, that patients with severe diabetes end up developing, and it causes this sharp shooting pain um, that becomes at times very intolerable. But more so than that, you can experience the pain, but then you start to lose sensation, particularly in the feet. And what ends up happening is that sometimes you'll rest your feet on a chair or something and you can't feel it and you compress that tissue long enough that over time that tissue starts to break down in necrosis. And it, it, this is what we call the diabetic ulcers that you see on the bottom of people's feet because they may be standing on it or applying pressure for so long, but because we've lost the sensation, the blood circulation to that area starts to decline 
And then it also affects the, the blood vessels as well. We're not getting enough oxygen or nutrients to the tissue and it starts to break down. Uh, patients with these types of neuropathies also have a higher incidence of injuries because they lose that sense of proprioception. In other words, as we're walking, signals are being sent to our brain continuously to let us know where we're at. It gives us a sense of orientation. So if we start to feel like we're slipping, we react to it and we try to protect ourselves from any injury. Well, people with these neuropathies lose that proprioception and they're at much higher risk for injury. What also ends up happening, folks, because it is the nervous system we start to get a decline in cognitive function, okay? So our brains start to kind of break down too as well. And then in the end, you may end up going to uh, seeing your doctor, your EKG is normal and everything seems fine, and then you, all of a sudden you die of a heart attack, and we call that a silent heart attack, um, which eventually causes death, and that's usually as a result of cardiac uh, autonomic neuropathy, which is as a result of diabetes. So what is the underlying cause of these neuropathies or the ideology? Well, as you could see in the photo here, we start to see that um, uh, we get this high level of blood sugar and you could see that there are five pathways and the causes are usually either metabolic insult, there is a neurovascular component to this that um, we get more blood circulation to the blood vessel or to the nerves and eventually those nerves start to break down. There is immune damage. Again, there's that inflammation coming back to haunt us again. Okay. The, we're always, especially once we start getting overweight and we're eating the wrong foods, we're always in that low grade chronic inflammatory state and those, um, inflammatory cells eventually start causing damage to the tissue. And then as the tissue starts to break down, you gotta remember that uh, nerve tissue creates these growth factors. And that's usually to help it uh, to repair itself under significant injury. But then over time, even these no, uh, uh, growth factors become deficient. So as we can see, we have this, um, this um, diagram here of hyperglycemia, which means high level of blood sugar. And we see these pathways. So let's go through each one of them one at a time. The first one that we have, and now we're gonna to go to the second photo, is called the polyol pathway. And there's two, is, there's two reactions in this pathway. And what ends up happening is we start to see that glucose gets converted to sorbitol. And it does this through an enzyme, as you recall, enzymes help to catalyze reactions and how they facilitate the reaction. And this is as a result of aldose reductase. Now, here's the problem with this reaction is that it uses this NADH, okay, to uh, provide a hydrogen atom, but then that NADH gets used up a lot in this reaction because we have so much glucose circulating and we cannot make this antioxidant, which is called glutathione. Glutathione, and for those of you that may have gone to the health food stores and talked to the people there, glutathione is an antioxidant which decreases oxidative stress. In other words, glutathione binds to free oxygen radicals or uh, reactive oxygen species 
and it neutralizes them so it doesn't cause damage. And so what ends up happening is, is we can't make enough of the glutathione. Over time, all these reactive uh, species then start causing more and more damage, not only to the nervous tissue, but to other tissues as well. That NADH, or NADPH actually, is also needed to make nitric oxide. And nitric oxide is released in the uh, blood vessels to, to actually cause the blood vessel to dilate. So they're vasodilators. Uh, everybody's big on the beet juice right now because beet juice helps the blood vessels to produce more nitric oxide. It relaxes the blood vessels. It helps dilate them to improve the blood circulation. And it also, it also lowers your blood pressure too as well in a natural fashion. So we get the buildup of this uh, sorbitol and eventually um, we start to see that any tissues that don't have the sorbitol dehydrogenase, which starts to take us to the second phase, are areas such as the kidneys, the retina, and the Schwann cells, which are the Schwann cells are these cells that cover the, um, the, the, the axons or the nerve fiber. So they're like the coat that protects that, that nerve fiber. So we get a buildup of this sorbitol, which is a sugar alcohol. Oh, and by the way, sorbitol is used as an uh, artificial sweetener that they put in gums or even candies. And so the sugar alcohol starts to accumulate. And what does it do? It starts to glycate nitrogens. Now, nitrogens, as you know, is, a, is an atom. Okay, nitrogen. And when it's a part of a molecule, it makes it a protein. Okay, so nitrogens, if you see a nitrogen on a molecule, you pretty much can determine that it's a protein like an amino acid. Well, it glycates it. In other words, it adds this sugar moiety to this protein. And one of the proteins that I'm referring to in this case is collagen. And collagen lines the outside part of the blood vessels. And so advanced glycosylated end products is the term are called ages, okay, then starts to... Uh, bind to the nitrogen in the collagen molecules of the vessels as well as the nerves. And then all of a sudden, we start to see uh, some damage occurring. So uh, it, you got to remember the cells of these organs of the kidneys, the retina, and the Schwann cells, they're basically insulin uh, independent. And what that means is that it doesn't require insulin to allow the sugar to move into that cell. So sugar just moves freely across that cell membrane. What ends up happening is, is that it doesn't work when the blood sugar levels are normal. But once the blood sugar starts getting elevated, it starts to activate it. It starts turning in, um, it starts creating an, an exorbitant amount of the uh, sorbitol. So once we have that, we start to see that it glycates um, the collagen molecules on the blood vessels and at that point you start causing damage to the blood vessels and the neural tissue particularly in the areas of the kidneys the eyes and the nerves and that's how we end up with the neuropathy the second reaction as i said the sorbitol then gets converted into fructose as you can see in the diagram now fructose is 10 times better substrate of becoming glycated 
And so now this leads us, now we can go back to the original uh, hyperglycemia uh, diagram. And we see the next one is glycated products or the advanced glycated um, end products. And so what we start to see is this is when sugar binds to protein products and it does it without the use of an enzyme. And if anything, it uses iron and copper to help that reaction uh, proceed. So again, it starts to glycate these, um, these structures and it, it, it makes it abnormal. And so the blood vessels don't function or they start to get stiff. The blood, uh, the nerves start to break down. And the second thing about the ages or the advanced glycated end products is that they bind to receptors. And one of the receptors they uh, bind to is called RAGE, which is the receptor for the ages. And what it does is it activates that nuclear factor kappa B. Now, here that comes back. Uh, that NF kappa B then promotes pro-inflammatory mediators like tumor necrosis factor alpha, interleukin-6, interleukin-1-beta. Remember, these are these inflammatory mediators that we talked about um, that occur as a result of having uh, excessive amount of fat storage, and it promotes this nuclear factor kappa B to promote these mediators. And these are also a key target for atherosclerosis, and we'll talk about that in a later podcast. The other thing is, is that when you have high levels of these ages, it polarizes the macrophages into the classically activated macrophages. Remember what we talked about before in inflammation, that you have two types of macrophages in the fat cells, the M1 or macrophage 1 or the M2, the macrophage 2, right? The M1s are the ones that in the initial trauma go in and they destroy bacterial infections, um, they, they take away dead tissue. So it's a very destructive state. And then after that's done, later on the inflammatory process switches over to a more reparative state. Well, in this particular case, what ends up happening is it activates more of the M1 stage. And so a higher M1 to M2 ratio is a major determinant for plaque formation in uh, the microvasculature that supplies the nerves and then the nerves become um, hypoxic or have, a, uh, have less oxygen and it starts to break down. Oxidative stress, as we talked about before, is basically where blood sugars are excessive amount of sugars start to oxidize um, molecules and they become the so-called free oxygen radicals such as superoxides, lipid hydroperoxides, conjugated dienes these then, almost like radiation, they start shooting around your body and they start doing damage to the cells and even to the DNA, which can cause mutations to the DNA. In the end, it ends up in the nerves, especially the dorsal nerves, the sympathetic ganglion, and this is what causes what, we are, what is known as myelinopathy, and that's the uh, breakdown of the protective sheath over the nerve fiber or the axon. The other thing that it does is that it breaks down uh, the mitochondria, and the mitochondria is the energy-producing factories in our cells. And if you destroy your, your power plant and you can't produce enough energy for that cell to use, the cell starts to break down, it can't do its function, and things at that point start to spiral downwards. And then remember, we're made up of 100 uh, trillion cells. So if you do it to one cell, it's one thing. But once these start to accumulate, 
this is where all the problems come in, especially in the nerve damage and neuropathy then starts to set in. Uh, one of the ways to pre prevent this is with alpha lipoic acid. Now, again, I advise that you take alpha lipoic acid, but you really got to change your diet, man. You got to get rid of those bad fats, which we're going to talk about on a later podcast, but you got to reduce the sugar and carb consumption. Okay, now the fourth thing in the diagram that we show, it says DAG, diacylglyceride, and it's a type of fat that can build up. Now, in the nerve tissue, if it decreases, then it decreases this, this enzyme, which allows for sodium and potassium to flux in and out of the cell, which helps with the nerve conduction. And if the nerve conduction now starts to slow down, then signals aren't being sent to the brain appropriately, and they could be, or inappropriately, and you start to experience pain or you lose sensation. Um, in the vascular tissue now, if you have an increase of this uh, DAG, which is the fat, it increases the so-called uh, protein kinase, and it also, in the uh, vascular tissue, decreases the sodium-potassium pump, and that's where you start getting problems as far as uh, helping the blood vessel uh, to build the protein scaffold that it needs to maintain uh, its integrity. And so as a result, it starts to break down. You start getting this fat and sugar interaction in the cell walls of the, uh, of the vascular system or the small, tiny microvasculature, and that's when you start to have complications. The last one on the list is the essential fatty acid impairment. Diabetics or people with high levels of uh, blood sugar have an impaired conversion of linoleic acid to gamma linoleic acid. And this is just one of the essential fatty acids and it's the GLA, let's call it the gamma linoleic acid is GLA, is important for nerve structure and function. And it's required for normal neuronal membranes, which is the membranes of the cells, and it's required for normal regulation of the nerve conduction. So that means the sending of the proper signals down the nerve fiber. Now, some of the best treatments for that is really primrose oil that you could buy at the health food store. Now, they have other oils like borage, black currant, and fungal oil that actually have higher levels of uh, gamma linoleic acid or GLA, but somehow um, they don't work as well because what they've determined is there's something inside that oil that counteracts the effects of the GLA, and they don't know what that is. So primrose oil is also a benefit. So alpha lipoic acid, primrose oil, these help to uh, counteract the, uh, the detrimental effects, but the bottom line is, is you gotta cut those sugars and you gotta cut out those, ex uh, those bad fats. And we're gonna go over that in one of our uh, uh, podcasts yet to come. So I wanna thank you so much for joining us on our show today. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a good review and visit our website and social media accounts to connect with us even more. And if you'd like to see any of the sources, uh, for this research in the episode. It'll be available in the show notes in the description. Until next time, I'm Dr. Sal. Have a great day and God bless.